Raising black children in the United States can be really scary. And as a black mother, I realized I was parenting from fear. And I wanted to make a commitment to parent for liberation. You are listening to the Parenting for Liberation podcast, and I am your host, Trina Green-Brown. Each week, I am joined by other black parents, and we discuss our own journeys to push past our fear so that we can raise our beautiful black children to be whole, free, and liberated. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in beds. No more backward thinking. Time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much. Hi, this is Trina Green-Brown with Parenting for Liberation. I am here with Matisse Haynes. Matisse is an advocate for Black women's wholeness and wellness. She's been doing organizing work, facilitation work, healing work, and is also a certified coach and has been supporting Black folks in our own healing and pathways to liberation. And I wanted to connect with her to talk about um, the work that she does and also how she is a parent for liberation. So... Welcome, Matisse, to the podcast. Thank you, Trina. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, so we last met at the BEAM, Black Mental Health and Healing Justice Training, which really focuses on providing resources to support Black communities through mental health literacy and healing justice. And I want to shout out our trainers, Yolo Akil and Erica Woodland, who were so dynamic and incredible. And so we're going to spend some time today talking about that training, what we learned about healing and how all of what we learned impacts us as parents um, and how we can utilize that training and those tools and learnings in our own parenting and in our community. So I'm curious, like you're all the way in Atlanta and you get this invitation to come to LA for a BEAM training on Black mental health and healing justice. What makes you join this training all the way in Southern California? Yeah, so I was, I've been following Beam's work now for a little while. I don't know how long it's been, maybe a year. Uh, and it had some conversations with Yolo uh, earlier in the year, just about the work that they were doing and what, what his vision is and where they're headed. And so I was anticipating these trainings being offered. I know their intention is, I think, to offer them around the country. And eventually they're going to they're gonna come to the South. They've been doing some other things in the South, but I think this particular training hadn't been offered in the South yet. And so, yeah, when they put the dates out and, and the locations, uh, I made a choice to do the one in LA because I'd never been to LA and really wanted to go. Um, but yeah, I've kind of been following their work and really interested in mental health, particularly the mental health of Black folks. And I'm really excited that Beam has created a space where those kinds, that kind of conversation and learning can take place. So for me, as someone who's been doing community-based work for the last 20 years, most often as a facilitator of community spaces. Uh, a consultant, and also some coaching and community coaching. I've just been in a lot of spaces, in a lot of communities, with a lot of folks, and particularly, I think, over the last several years, have just really noticed even more kind of the, the weight and the impact of both the work that folks are doing in communities and th- that impact that it's having on them, as well as the impact of, like, everything that's going on around us uh, in our country, as well as in the world. So I think just as, as someone who has supported communities in a particular way for a long time, particularly, like I said, through mostly like facilitation and helping folks to um, 
you know, develop plans and policies and uh, really self-determine what they want their communities to look like. Um, this felt like a, this feels like a missing piece that not been fully present in my work and a lot of the work that I've seen. And so I was just really grateful that Beam was offering this training, particularly I think for folks like me who may work in community but are not trained as mental health um, practitioners to get some, you know, at least some baseline understanding of mental health um, you know, what to, what to look for, signs and symptoms, how to support people, how to connect people to additional resources. So that was really my motivation for attending was to be able to have some additional language and tools and resources, uh, not so I could provide direct mental health services, but just so I could be, a, it could be an additional resource that I can share with folks if, the, if they or folks in their communities or their families are um, experiencing mental health, mental health issues. So that's what um that's part of what made me come there and also just a real commitment to healing and particularly healing for for black people um i was just really excited about about the offerings that they have yeah thank you um so much so rich you started to describe a little bit about what we learned in the in the in the training um also i remember talking to you about like coming to california naming that you've never been to los angeles and a piece of that being connected to like doing the work for ourselves in addition to doing the work for our people like we as mm -hmm. black women experience a lot of the same stuff that we do try to support our communities through and so taking some time and space and so being in california was a part of that like healing work for you so also wanting to honor the both end of, of the work that puts us in the work as well which like brings me to the question about like why personally does you know black mental health matter to you you know, as a black woman who's been doing this work for 20 years? Yeah, I think it, I mean, I think the, the, the big answer to, to the question is black mental health matters to me because I love black people. Um, and so, mm -hmm. you know, I think that, you know, my experience, um, you know, as a black woman, as a black Southern woman and a mother, you know, mental health issues have always been present, right? Um, in my community, in, in my family. Um, and so it's important to me because I think it's a part of liberation. Um, it's a part of folks getting the support that they need to like live their best lives, their self-determined lives. And so um, it's just it, it's just imperative, I think, that folks have access to whatever it is they need so that they so they can be free. And I think that mental health support and services, um, along with other types of healing. Um, is essential to our liberation. So that's why it's so important to me that we, we focus we focus on and have access to mental health resources. Yeah, I mean, similarly, just to like really build some residents, I saw the training and it overlapped with some other like important things that I had on my calendar for like work. And I had to like make some hard choices about where I wanted to invest my time and energy and resources. And I knew at my heart and at my core that I needed to be and wanted to be in a space that was talking about Black healing justice and Black mental health wellness. Because as I've been doing this parent of liberation work, and even as on my own journey, you know, as a, as a Black woman, Black parent, just realizing that a lot of the work that I was talking about when I was saying I was parenting from this place of fear, or I wanted to shift my parenting to be more liberated, that a lot of that work was not about the doing something different 
in my parenting as much as reckoning with, acknowledging, and healing from my own trauma um, and from my own childhood trauma and also beyond my own to the vicarious trauma that I'm experiencing by just walking in this world as a Black woman, by seeing other parents who are like grieving the loss of their own children, right? And so it's, it's the trauma from the past and it's also the ongoing trauma that I was holding that was impacting my parenting. And as I started to bring parents of color, black and brown parents together and started to have these conversations about like, what do you need to do to shift? It really became about identifying our own intergenerational trauma and then what's the work to heal. And I have never identified myself as a healer. I'm not a licensed expert when it comes to mental health. Um, So I really appreciated the training, like, like saying, like knowing what our role is and like that I'm not leaving that training thinking that I'm some like licensed expert who can support folks through their, through therapy or things of that nature, but just like acknowledging the role that I have in like, like you said, like giving folks resources, connecting folks to different um, resources and tools that could support them in their own healing journey. But it, yeah, so this work of parenting liberation really is starting to me coalesce around healing from intergenerational trauma and that is what drove me to want to come to the training. And that came up when we started to talk about, well, it always comes up for me, like every time I'm talking about anything, black people, black families, black children, right? The black future. Something that came up, you know, during the training, I think there was a moment and often there are often moments for me where the learning at a theoretical level hits me at a, at a cellular, personal, intimate level. Um, and we were talking about trauma. Well, we, we were talking about anxiety and then it became really clear that like what I was describing in my question was, was trauma and like just the, the amount of trauma that black folks experience on a regular basis um, ongoing. And so I remember like sharing some of my stories about like how hypervigilant I am as a parent. And I became a little weepy in the moment during the training, just talking about some of the fears that I have and like some of the decisions that I made about parenting that actually didn't really get to the root cause of the fear. And so in that moment, I shared a little bit of that. And I know that there was some resonance with you. Um, and just curious about how, for you, what's the relationship between Black healing justice and Black mental health and parenting for you? And like, what's the impact and what's the connection for you? Yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate the, the question. And, you know, during the training, I really, um, you know, I appreciated so much your, your vulnerability um, you know, throughout the training, but in, in that moment, right, um, you know, for myself as well as a, as a parent um, of a Black child, my daughter is, is 17, uh, almost 18, she'll be 18 next month. Um, but I really, I mean, the conversations around trauma and intergenerational trauma, I think are so powerful to be able for us to, to recognize that within ourselves and be able to um, focus on our own healing so that we can parent from a more healed and more whole place um, is part of it. And then I think just the power of the acknowledgement of like, and yet we're still facing these traumas daily. And so I think when you had the, the, the moment of, of where it really hit you uh, and hearing you share your, your experience of being hypervigilant, like that definitely resonated with me. Um, you know, I definitely... I uh, feel like I've been on a journey, right, where I've had to move through 
and, and, and release, you know, some of that hypervigilance. Um, and it's a practice, right? Like, it's like, I'm not, it's not like I'm there all the time, right? Sometimes it comes back uh, and I have to, to have to catch myself. And so, yeah, that trauma from my own experience, um, you know, what's carried in my family's lineage, um, as well as, you know, what we continue to experience as Black folks in this country every day, um, certainly, like, shapes the way that I parent, like, absolutely every day um, shapes the way that I parent. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that was part of the power of that space is being in a Black space and being able to share our stories and experiences and knowing um, that there, for many of us, there was a lot of resonance around what was shared in the room. Uh, it felt like a very sacred space to be able to name our trauma, to be able to name our grief, um, and to also be able to, to, to name, you know, and claim, right, like our healing, right, for ourselves and our people and particularly for our babies, for our children. And so, you know, it's one of those things, like, if I can't, I can't separate, you know, my blackness from my parenting, my parenting from my blackness from being a woman, like all these, right, these identities, like they all uh, intersect mm -hmm. and inform, inform each other um, all the time. And so particularly, I feel like the conversations I'm having with my daughter now, it just um, like we continue to deepen, right, as she's gotten older. But I think the particularly now as she is preparing to go out into the world, you know, she's a senior in high school, she's going to graduate, uh, you know, in May of next year and go off to college. And so we've been having these conversations for a while, but I definitely feel like within myself, like this impulse of like, I really need her to understand some things, right? Like, I know she does, but like, I need to make sure that she's really got this because, you know, next year, this time, right, she's going to be somewhere on a college campus and so you know the hypervigilance hyper I feel inside of myself both not only because she is a black person but also because she is a black woman mm -hmm. um, and the 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 threats right that come with that um, you know mentally physically um, emotionally sexually all of that like I am you know n probably never not thinking about that right but um, also very committed to both trying to model uh, for her and to support her as she develops her own practices to, uh, you know, live her life from a place of liberation. Um, even as we have to acknowledge like the, the systems that we're living in and the experiences that our people have, like it's always been this like, um, yeah, I just think like this dance that, you know, her and, uh, me and her dad do of like we want her to be informed so she can be safe and so she can be conscious and aware but we don't want to strip her of her vitality right and her sense of freedom and her sense of exploration and for her to be clear that she has a right to exist right and to be safe and to you know live in a way that feels good to her uh, and so I just feel I feel that uh, it's always been there, but I feel it like in a different way now that she's this age and she's preparing to go out into the world. Um, so just having that space at the training and your, um, you know, modeling of, of vulnerability. And I, I remember shedding my own tears because I just felt, you know, felt what you were sharing in that moment uh, and how real that is as a as a parent, as a parent of a black child, how real it is to to live with that um every you know every day and and then also how we have the power to to to, to transform that
Yeah, thank you for sharing. Like, yes, the hypervigilant exists, right, for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. it's well warranted because of statistics, right? If we have looked at the data about, you know, the rate of violence and, and against Black bodies and particularly Black girls, um, mm-hmm. the school push-out rate, the sexual violence rate, right, um, the domestic yeah. violence rate. If we think about all of those things, we like, there's a, there's a cause for concern. There's a cause for hypervigilance. And you said that, yeah. you know, a part of it is about like no, noticing our own hypervigilance and then shifting or making different choices, right? That we have the power to transform is what you just said. And so curious about what does that look like? Like, what does it look like to be in a moment where you are being hypervigilant and then noticing it and then choosing to do something different? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have a story or an example or. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that one of the things that I've been focusing on in my own healing um, the last few years is just having a a better relationship like with my own body and the the wisdom inside my body. And so I think that I'm practicing like what it looks like to actually feel the sensations in my body. So I might feel like the tightness in my chest or I might feel like – you know, I think sometimes for me and my body, I just feel like this this impulse of like, uh, almost like I need to like step in, you know, like a, a literal, like I need to lean in and I need to like wrap my arms around um, her or our people or situation. And so I, I think that like paying attention to the sensations in my body, whether it's tightness in my chest or in my throat, whether it's like uh, not really having, not really like feeling my breath. Like I can tell like if I'm not really breathing deeply, if I'm like kind of holding my breath or like tension, uh, a lot of tension for me, like in my neck and shoulders. So I think the body for me has become, uh, you know, one of the ways that I pay attention to like what, you know, it's a signal for me, like, okay, there's something happening here. There's something going on. Like there's something you're feeling. And just to give myself permission to slow down and pay attention to what that is um, and figure out like what that, what, what, what it's trying to tell me. And so I think it's been that, like in those moments where I felt that and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm feeling my body respond in this way. What is this about? Um, and just knowing, and, and then taking steps to say, one, it's okay for me to slow down and listen and pay attention to my body um, and then to honor those emotions, right? Like you said, like there is real reason, right, for me to be hypervigilant. There is real reason for me to feel the need to um, be protective, right? Um, to know where she is, to know how she's moving around um, as much as possible, right? Uh, and so I allow myself to feel what I feel. And I think particularly as she's gotten older, you know, the conversations that we have are deeper. So some of that I, you know, am able to even be transparent about and share, share with her. Um, because I think that I'm also, you know, she's going to have to, whether it's with her own children at some point or just, you know, people in her life, like, uh, she may potentially have to kind of manage that those 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 experiences herself right within herself like both the feeling of like you know um wanting to feel safe and free in the world and you know that there are real real risks and so I just allow myself to like to feel what I'm feeling and then to uh make a choice to um trust that uh not only do I have wisdom within me um that she has some of that same wisdom within her that 
I've shared with her and also that is just shared with us, you know, um, as black people and through uh, our lineages and, you know, from our ancestors. And so trusting that that, that that wisdom is there and that strength is there both personally and as a collective of people, um, that allows me, I think, to settle some of that, some of that, some of that energy um, and to really, and to give her space, you know, to, to allow her to explore uh, and to find her own way. Because it really is, a, again, I think it is an, an embodied experience. And so I think I was, when she first started to, to branch out, like if she's becoming a teenager and doing more things, right, like with friends and outside of home, um, it was a big transition for me because uh, it just, you know, I knew that I was not, you know, I couldn't physically be with her all the time. I couldn't, you know, control everything that was going to be happening around her. Uh, and so I really had to learn to sit with myself and move through some of those, those emotions. Um, and at the same time, prepare her for whatever, you know, she might encounter in the world. So I don't know if I've answered the question. Like, I think it's just such a, it's just such a emergent practice for me. I think it's probably the best way to, to frame it and I don't know it, it was not something that I was ever taught uh, and so it's kind of been something that I've had to explore and and practice on uh, you know on my own yeah that was really helpful for me um I learned by failing forward mm-hmm. <laughs> I learned by when I make mistakes like oh that's not the way I should respond <laughs> when I'm hyper-worried uh-huh. or stressed um so that's been really helpful for me um I can give an example because it's like, I can always think of an example real time because I'm like, oh, that just happened recently because it is an ongoing learning practice around like um, when I am being hypervigilant, which has, again, like there's lots of reasons why I should be worried, right? I have a, a young black boy who's only nine, but may appear to other folks as much older because, you know, black children uh-huh. are seen as much bigger and scarier and dominating. Um, I have a little black boy who is growing um, dreads in his hair. I have a little black boy who has beautiful chocolate skin. I have a little black boy and we live in um, Southern California, Orange County, which at sometimes folks just it's, it's, it's becoming purple, but it is a potentially, it is a really red county, right? Historically red county and is now a purple county in terms of like um, demographics and political parties. Um, and so an example for me of like what not to do, but actually hearing you describe what you do do around like pausing and noticing the sensations in your body after the fact you saying that in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I, re- I can describe all of the feelings and sensations in my body now, but in the moment I was so caught up in my own worries and fears and anxieties um, that I was not even in my body in the moment. And so it happened at our family reunion that was last weekend. Um, you know, we're at the park, uh, we have um, we all have on the like same color shirt, so it's easy to identify all the kids and they're at the playground and the adults are sitting at the benches or on the, you know, we brought our lawn chairs and we're starting to wrap up. It's like the end of the reunion, like folks are cleaning up, putting the tables away, pulling down the tables and the chairs. And so I go to the playground to gather all the kids, not just my son, but like all, you know, his cousin, I'm like, hey, we're starting to pack up. I don't think y'all should be over here, you know, isolated by yourselves anymore because it's getting late. 
the kids are there, but not my kid. So I was being hypervigilant by getting all the kids and then realized that my kid is not the one that's not at that playground. So then some of the cousins are like, oh, I think he's playing on the other side, which is where the other kids were. So then I go over there and he's not there. So then I like, in that moment, I immediately panic because it goes from like, there's this playground, there's this playground. And then like in between is where all of the family is just kind of seated and clean it up. So then I'm like running around asking people, have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? And I'm like, starting to like not breathe and I'm breathing in my chest and I'm like flustered and it, it yeah I just look like a person spinning like if all the movies is like I was that person and then I remember talking to my partner who was on the basketball court which is kind of in between the two places like have you seen him and he's pretty like calm like I don't know I'm sure he's here somewhere like he's pretty calm and I like snap like why are you so calm why aren't you freaking out like I'm freaking out and and so then it ends up being that my son is actually with with his grandmother and his uncle he's with my mom and my brother um helping them to put things away like he was being helpful like they were putting stuff in the car like packing away things and so he was actually with them packing away things i only find that out because one of the kids say oh i think he went with your brother you know one of the kids says that randomly so then i call my brother on the phone and my brother's like yeah he's here we're, we're like he's good and i like freak out on my brother like why would you take him and not tell me? it's just like I just blew up on everybody even as I'm describing it like I could feel my breath like just rising and my hands shaking or like me getting like ah, right um mm -hmm. and so in that moment all of the things are rushing through my mind it's not only like kidnapping but it's like when we were at that training together in in August there was an incident that happened in the in a in a park nearby the park that we were at. So we were at a park in Bellflower, and there was a park in I think like the Lakewood Bellflower area, which is not far away, where there was a hate crime against a black grandfather in a bathroom. So this black man goes into a bathroom at a park, and a white man enters the bathroom kills him and then leaves and so I am also holding not just like the traditional like I'm worried my kid was kidnapped but I'm also holding the like well what if something else happened because of him being a little black boy so all of that is all wrapped up in my like mm. <sighs> all of my all of my anxiety mm -hmm. and stress right and so for me that's my own and my son when I talk to him about it and talk to my, my mom about it and my brother about it you know, because they're walking back from the car, like, what, like, why are you, what is wrong? Why are you freaking out? It was no big deal. I am like, you needed to tell me that you were going to take him. And then I tell him, like, why would you leave without, he's like, but I'm with my grandma. Like, he cannot understand, like, what was the big deal? He's like, I'm not with the straight, like, I'm with people that you trust me with. Like, he's like, it's all family here. Why are you stressed out? And so it's just in that moment, I didn't do, I didn't pause. I didn't breathe. I didn't reflect. I didn't remind myself that everything could possibly be okay like i didn't i didn't trust my family was there and had you know i just i couldn't all i could think about was what the, what the worst case scenarios um and so in that moment it's just like now looking at it in hindsight i'm like there are some obviously there are things i could have done to like make sure i knew where he was at all moments right like i could have been more like knowing where your kid is at all tracking right like which is what i do if i'm hyper vigilant in that moment i was like we're at a park where my family like i don't need to be hyper vigilant right um so then there's all this judging of me 
as a parent? Like, why didn't I know where he was at? What kind of parent am I that doesn't know where your kid is? Like your kid got lost and you, you know, like then there was all the judgment of myself. So there's like lots of, lots of feelings. Um, and then there was also like thinking about community, right? There was also lots of like commentary and critique from family about like, why didn't you know where he was? And why haven't you been paying attention to where, you know? So I also got the like family shame as well, because this all happens within a container. It's not like, mm-hmm. it's not isolated, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just sharing that story just to not necessarily say, don't do that. <laughs> but just to like share, like it can happen at any moment, the hypervigilance kicks in. And um, if I had made, you know, I could, could learn, continue to learn and grow into like how to slow down my breathing and to really pause and to really, yeah, like think about yeah. what else could be possible in that moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing, sharing that story. I mean, I think that also, you know, we have to allow ourselves to just be human, right? And, and not just human, but to be parents. Like, I mean, that is a um, understandable reaction, right, that you had. And so I think that, you know, the journey is about practice, right, and not perfectionism. Oh, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> because like we are, we, yeah, like we are human beings and like we, that what we, the emotions that you were feeling in that moment, like that's totally understandable. And right. like to not take that away from, you know, yourself or, you know, another parent, um, you know, when it, particularly when it's, you know, we're talking about our babies, you know, that is, that is where we should have the most, you know, most passion. And, and sometimes that gets expressed maybe in, in ways that, you know, we feel good about and sometimes it doesn't. But <laughs> from the same place of like this deep, deep, this deep, deep love, right? And commitment uh, and care. Um, and so, yeah, I think that we, you know, as Black folks, I, I, I really want us all and, you know, myself as well, like to just, you know, not, not police each other in that way, not police each other's emotions, not police ourselves, right? And judge ourselves. Um, for the emotions that that we have especially the ones that are rooted right in love for our people and love for our children yeah speaking of that right like I think compounding my own in the moment fear was the critique and the you know um, that was existing literally while I still was in the moment of search Mm -hmm. and it makes me think about so you talked about like being able to name the feelings I really want to again shout out our trainers Yolo and Erica for the feeling wheel that they gave us um, that was developed yeah. Dr. Royal, Gloria Wilcox, but just like being able to actually like assess what are the feelings that are happening um, and not being like policed and limited. And then just thinking about um, family dynamics as related to like mm-hmm. emotional health and, and, and mental health, just thinking about um, that first sheet that they gave us on the first day when it went silent um, at the training, because I feel like it it is connected to what I just shared about my experience was the emotional education background worksheet where Uh they asked you like, what did you learn about about feelings and emotions? And um, what of what you learned was helpful? What was not helpful that did not serve you? And what practices you need to put in place for yourself, right? Um, To be able to better show up for yourself emotionally. Uh-huh. Um, and even like reading my answers now, I'm like, oh, it still is happening. It's not like the past, right? Like it's still existing. Like I wrote notes. Um, what did I learn about feelings and emotions growing up was to swallow them 
Um, and to avoid feelings, to joke about things that are serious and silence about oh. violence, right? And in that moment, seriously, I was frantically looking for my child and like it became a joke about oh. how horrible of a parent I was in that moment, right? And then if I did get emotional and I cried, then it would be a whole nother like joke about me being oh. right? So yeah it's like yeah and you know those are right 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 and so yeah as 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 family members as community members like how do we how do we hold each other in those moments um you know how can we be you know because we all have those times and i think there was even another tool that they shared with us towards the end of the training right um around the window of tolerance uh, which i think is really helpful and so you know, it's completely human, right? For uh, there's going to be times when we all are outside of our window of tolerance. And so, what would it look like for us as family members and community members to like hold each other when, when one of us is outside of our window of tolerance, right? Um, and so, I, I wonder what what it could have been like if you know your family, my family, our families had those tools, right, and those understandings around like you know Trina's having an, an emotional experience right now that is rooted in something that's very real, particularly to our communities. And so what would it look like for us as a family to, to stand with her, right, as she is having this emotional experience, even if it's not our experience, even if we don't fully understand, right, like why you might be reacting that way, like how can we be containers for each other, right? Um, because that's actually, I think that's also part of what we were starting to learn too, like that helps actually bring people back into their window of tolerance, right? Like that, like you're saying, like, the additional like the the judgment or the shame or whatever the family was doing that actually was not helping you like actually calm down right and center it was actually bringing you more more anxiety um and so i think there's just the opportunity for us um as black folks to you know unlearn some of the unhealthy ways that so many of us have learned as it relates to our emotions and our emotional health um, and to really claim that, reclaim that actually as part of our power and part of our people's power, um, and to like honor that wisdom that's coming up, right, in that, in that moment. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I would again appreciate you being vulnerable about your own experience and your experience with your family, um, and wonder how these kinds of tools, that's one of the, I mean, those kinds of things, right, it's like, I think being offering this, this training, like giving black people these kinds of tools to be able to say, be able to name what's actually happening with, you know, within us and to us um, is, is powerful, right? Once you're able to kind of name, start naming some things and that's how we can begin to support each other differently and create, um, yeah, just create more awareness and understanding um, so that, you know, I mean, we, we're all we got, right? And so it's like, we got to figure out how to, how to be there for each other um, because we're facing all of this, you know, this trauma and this oppression that's, that's within us and around us. It's, um, we need each other um, to, to get through this, right? And definitely to move, continue to move towards uh, liberation. Yeah, thank you. And I do want to like name like not all my family, like there were family members yeah. who were helping me search and there were family members who were also, you know, like, name me like that wasn't helpful in the moment like mm -hmm. that's not helpful, right mm -hmm. and so it's like holding all of that and, and I think for me after the fact um being able to also hold capacity like for 
the way that folks responded was also because my feelings about that in that moment was outside of their threshold, like was uh-huh. outside of what uh-huh. they could hold. Um, like some folks yeah. have a hard time holding like sadness or fear, right? And can and maybe like have limited capacity for holding that. And and their 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 response is humor and lightness um, because the capacity to hold the other feelings um, might crack something open in them that they don't want to hold at this moment or, or face or deal with in the moment. So also like mm-hmm. holding compassion for those who at that moment didn't necessarily weren't able to show me compassion. Um, because I know that there's something else deeper, right. Going on even for them. Um, and so, mm-hmm. and like, when you say like, how can we show up for each other? Like to me, like that's my way of being able to show up and still be in relationship and not like discard, like, you know, you didn't take my fear seriously and you like made a joke out of it. And I still am in relationship with you and know that mm-hmm. that, that response is also a learned response for you. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's how we've been uh, raised at times is to like literally avoid feelings and joke about things that are serious. Like that is what actually I've been trained to do. And so, um, so when folks respond to me having a different form of emotion or type of emotion um, with that same way, it's like, okay, it's still a learned behavior that we all have to unlearn. And so, um, so yeah, appreciate you holding space for me, even on this call and like being able to hold the multiplicities of what healing looks like um, mm. for black families, for black parents and like holding um, the range of responses that are, are valid really, um, mm-hmm. especially because what we're experiencing is real. All of our, all of the fears and the hypervigilant are warranted by real life um, scenarios that happen to our people. And in order for us to be free, we have to be able to hold that range of emotions and experiences in a space of love and compassion is, mm-hmm. is important. So I really appreciate that. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Huh. I didn't expect to get emotional on this call. <laughs> so I'm like, what, mm. what is this? Do you want to take a moment and do some breathing? Let's breathe together. Yeah. Mm. I'm placing my hand on my chest, on my heart, and sending myself love. And in this moment, really trying to interrupt shame. Mm. Thank you for holding space. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being being present with with what's coming up for you and not not ignoring it or trying to suppress it or make it different yeah I think this is the work this Uh is the work of parent to deliberation this is the work for my own personal healing but I also think like this is the work for for the sake of black liberation like Uh us as a people as families um, as parent to child really honoring our feelings um not not ignoring them slowing down enough to assess like what's what am i feeling what's coming up mm-hmm. where does it situate itself in my body uh-huh. pausing to breathe and really honoring that work that work that's necessary uh-huh. for us to heal and to see to see and be seen so really really appreciate the space and i really feel like that is what the work of parents' liberation is is up to 
Um, that's no, mm-hmm. I know that's what I'm personally up to and I'm, I'm a work in process and <laughs> healing is a journey. Yeah. And, um, and it's a journey that we must begin as a people, mm-hmm. um, emotional healing and wellness um, and healing justice is, is, is important work in addition to the organizing work. But this is like, I think when we first started, you said like, this is important to you because it's the piece that is often missing. And mm-hmm. I want to make that piece the core of parenting for liberation. Mm. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and, and, you know, part of it comes, as I mentioned at the beginning, kind of my particular journey, like through this work and through parenting, um, you know, having been a part of a lot of, you know, community-based work and systems change work and, you know, just, lots of different things and there's lots of amazing work happening out there, right? Like organizing work and, and other kinds of work. Um, and then having kind of a, even though I'm still, you know, still learning and still, you know, somewhat young, right? I, I do have like the 20 years of kind of like seeing, you know, my own experience and others' experiences. And it's so clear to me, like personally, this has been my experience and I see it in so many others that like, if we are not, um, you know, centering ourselves, our whole selves, our emotions, our bodies, um, in our work for justice and liberation. Um, one, we won't, we won't make it there. And when we get there, you know, we might not like what we have left over. Right. Um, and so I heard an author speaking about that, I think last weekend, like how important it is, um, in the midst of fighting, right. For justice to also, like unapologetically ensure that we have spaces where we are black spaces, where we are focusing on our joy and our love and our vitality. Um, because we need that as a reminder, right. Of like why we're even doing this, this, this justice work in the first place, right. This justice and liberation work and like uh, having a practice of regularly connecting, right. in those kinds of spaces that center healing and joy um, and laughter and movement um, are so essential to us being in the other spaces that we have to be in where we're fighting, we're fighting for justice. And so I wholeheartedly believe that and like feel like that's what my journey has shown me as well. And like that's why I'm really over the last you know couple of years have just really been shifting and pivoting into this in this in this direction, both my own healing, like really centering my own healing and my own wholeness as a part of my work, uh, whereas in the past, it was something that came, you know, after I got everything else done, which means it probably didn't come most of the time, right? Um, And the same thing in my parenting, like I found myself now like centering that in my parenting with my daughter, because I see how um, not only behaviors that I've shown her in the past, but also what, you know, systems are teaching her about um, her body and her productivity, right? Um, like I'm trying to interrupt that, um, every day I'm trying to interrupt that and really helping her center on healing and care for herself. And so, you know, simple practices, not maybe it's not simple, but, you know, being really intentional about, uh, naming with her, you know, she's having, uh, an emotional experience, like just affirming her that like you are completely entitled to feel the way you feel you can be sad, you can be angry, you can cry, you can rage, like you are 
allowed to fully experience yourself. Um, and there is space, space for you to do that at all times. So, you know, that is something that it's, it's a journey, right? Like I'm still learning. I certainly, you know, perfection is not even the goal. It's just to like wake up every day and like center myself and my own healing and help her to do the same. Like that for me feels like where my life and my life's work is heading. And if I can support other folks in doing that in the ways that make sense for them, like that feels to me like core to, like I said at the beginning, core, core to our liberation. Um, so I'm like deeply, deeply, deeply committed, committed to, to this work. Um, and so grateful for folks like you um, who are bringing this, um, bringing this into um, a conversation around parenting and parenting specifically for liberation and the role of healing in parenting for liberation. Um, like I think that this is a really um, important and powerful conversation that we need to continue to have right, as, as Black parents and continue to have spaces to practice that together. Um, and grateful to folks like you've named, you know, Yolo and Erica, uh, who are creating these spaces and, and sharing, sharing information and resources with us and also just giving us space to just be. Like, I think that that's so healing when Black folks just have space to just be. Um, like you said, even with your family in the park, like there was, there was, there was some time, right, where you felt like you could turn that hypervigilance off, even just for a little while, right? Like that's so rare, so precious for us to have that. Um, and so I think that like that's a part of this too, is like how do we make space for each other to just be? Like how do we care for one another so that like some of us are fighting sometimes and some of us are taking space to just be, right? And then we, we you know, we, we flow in and out. Um, of our work, of our movement, um, so that we are, you know, nurturing our, our whole selves, even as we're trying to, to push and fight. Um, so I'm just grateful that as challenging as some of my own experiences have been, it's brought me to this point where, like, I'm really clear that, like, this is the work and this, one has to be, and this is what has to be centered. And I'm super grateful that there are other folks, right, on this journey with me, folks like you and and Dean and lots of other folks, particularly here in the South, who are um, unapologetically naming and practicing and and showing us how healing is the work that we need to be doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I want to close with the way we closed at Beam um, at our workshop. Um, there was often this like beautiful mantra piece that um that yola would do uh, where it would be like mm -hmm. a collective mantra um mm -hmm. and i was thinking maybe we could co-create one together right now about mm -hmm. the capacity for our communities to heal mm -hmm. for our people to heal um, mm -hmm. so if you say a line i'll repeat your line then i can say a line you can repeat my line and we can just do that until we feel complete mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that, that sounds great. Let's do it. Mm. I have a right to my feelings and emotions. I have a right to my feelings and emotions. Black people have a right to heal. Black people have a right to heal. We have a right to exist and just be. We have a right to exist and just be. Our families deserve freedom to play, to laugh, and to love. 
Our families deserve freedom to play, to laugh, and to love. We can and we must love and support one another. We can and we must love and support one another. Healing is essential to Black liberation. Healing is essential to Black liberation. A nod to Mary Hooks, who is uh, one of the co-directors of Southerners on New Ground song mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. And she simply says, let's get free, y'all. Let's get free, y'all. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. How can folks find you and your work? Yeah, folks can find me um, on my website, which is matissehaines.com. It's M-A-T-T-I-C-E. H-A-Y-N-E-S dot com. Also, Matisse Haynes on all the social media platforms. Awesome. Thank you so much for your commitment to Black people, our healing, and our liberation. Thank you, Trina. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting for Liberation. I hope something shared on this episode will inspire you to parent for liberation. All right. Until next time. Let's get free, y'all.